You're listening to Ask the Expert on Sprott Money News. Well, greetings again from uh, Sprott Money News at SprottMoney.com. It is now the month of June. Holy cow. Halfway through the year 2023. A guy told me once that uh, the days drag, but the years fly as you get older. And man, oh man, um, I'm getting older and the years are flying. Anyway, it is time for your Ask the Expert segment for June. I'm your host, Craig Hempke. And joining us this month is my old friend, Tavi Costa. Tavi, you'll, I'm sure, recognize him. He is a frequent uh, guest on financial media and uh, blog sites and YouTube. Uh, just a sharp guy who is in our corner for the precious metals. He's actually a partner and a portfolio manager with Crescent Capital in Denver, Colorado. And it is always fun to visit with him. Tavi, thank you for your time. Greg, I'm delighted to be here with you again. Looking forward to this conversation. Well, it's always fun to visit with you. And uh, before we get started, the usual note that, again, this stuff doesn't just come at you for free. So you want to thank the good people at Sprott Money for providing this content uh, every month. You can go to SprottMoney.com, check them out for the deals that they have on bullion and storing that bullion. But also, hey, if anything, if you're not in a buying mood right now, uh, just give them a like or a subscribe on whatever channel you're watching because that helps spread the word as well. But again, give them a call if you are in the market, 888-861-0775. So Tavi, let's talk about this market. Uh, as we have solicited questions from Sprout Money customers for you, they've kind of broken into three categories and we'll try to get to all three here over the course of this podcast. One, just this macro, you know, what's the market doing? Uh, what's Powell doing? And then we'll talk about the metals and then maybe get into the mining shares because that's part of what you do at Crescent. Let's start with the macro. Uh, as we record this on the 22nd, heck, it was just a week ago uh, prior to the FOMC that Fed funds futures were pricing in a couple of rate cuts this year. The Fed was talking about, you know, holding things sideways. Now, all of a sudden, you know, the whole thing's turned upside down. The Fed's talking about hiking a couple of times. Those rate cut expectations are gone. What do you think uh, as we look forward into the back half of this year? Is it is it wise to think that that's all off the table now or is there too much uncertainty? No, I, I well, look, I'm going to try to explain what I view, at least as the, the most important aspects of this market and the macro environment. I think. First, we had the, the AI euphoria that changed the game in a large way, it created a, a huge inflows into a part of the market that we continue to see issues, which is the mega cap stocks. Some of them are more justifiable in terms of the improvement of fundamentals, supposedly on estimates, you know, like NVIDIA is going to quadruple their free cash flow if, if, if analysts are correct and so forth. And the others are you seeing a major inflows in terms of, uh, of, of capital, but we're not seeing any fundamental improvement whatsoever. Apple would be a great example. And this is sort of the, the product or reflection of passive investment vehicles uh, that are driving the flows of those, of those stocks. Um, then we recently also have the debt ceiling issue, the debt ceiling was uh, something important uh, and because uh, it sucks liquidity from the markets. We're living in a world where the deficit issue is compounding the debt problem in an alarming pace. Um, the Fed is shrinking its balance sheet at its fastest pace in, in history. We're already one year into this uh, fastest also pace in terms of the Fed hiking rates. Um, and 
when you look at volatility, it looks to be at a completely different world, right? I mean, we're seeing the VIX at historically depressed or suppressed levels. Um, you have the 10-year yield uh, is starting to move higher again. This was the whole reason why the market declined in 2022. Uh, if you think about it, it wasn't really a reflection of fundamentals deteriorating. It was totally because of the duration risk. The 10-year yields are rising, and that caused markets to fall. Well, 10-year yields are not falling. They're still holding their uh, their levels in, in a very significant way and look like they could be potentially uh, breaking out. So to me, it's almost irresponsible to not be long volatility today. I am, as a fund manager, looking for ways to be long volatility. I look at the XLF, for instance, the ETF of, of financials, and I see that the, the, the volatility of that, the impl implicit volatility of those, of those options are uh, e extremely low relative to even some of the banks are starting to move already. Some of the regional banks are moving because treasuries are still having that pressure. Mm -hmm. um, seasonality is playing an impact here. Uh, VIX is uh, seasonality tends to cause its, uh, its suppression all the way to the middle of the year. The, the, the other part of the year tends to be a time when you see a rise uh, in a significant way. And uh, lastly, uh, well, we can discuss gold in a minute here, but that's sort of, I think it's setting the stage for a volatility event. Um, and you want to be long volatility, in my opinion. And so as you look forward, um, you know, it seems to me at least that a lot of folks look at the market almost seems like a day by day basis without kind of a bigger picture. And, you know, I, they rely the market relies on the fed for this guidance you know as if it's set in stone but i mean tavi it was on march the 7th that powell himself was on capitol hill like he's been this week talking in his humphrey hawkins testimony and he was talking about higher for longer it was only four days later that silicon valley bank collapsed so it yeah. would seem that things come at them just as fast as everybody else so they have to react too do you think that I mean, whether it's commercial real estate or or any of these other issues, uh, do you think, would you put any stock on this notion that the Fed's just going to keep hiking through the end of the year? Or is it more like, well, we'll just wait and see about that? I, I have my money on that the Fed is probably going to have to uh, uh, to stop. But first, what we need to see, even if we're going to see cuts or anything like that, again, we really need to see uh, some deterioration in the markets. Uh, and we haven't seen that yet. And so- how can you make a case that the Fed is going to pause or, or cut interest rates if the market continues to be or volatility continues to be as suppressed as it is and other things like especially the euphoria in some parts of the market? So it's hard to believe that that's going to happen, especially when you have uh, agricultural commodities starting to move in a large way. Uh, recently, we've had a big divergence between agricultural commodities and food prices. Well, that's going to suggest that food prices should be higher in a couple months, um, as his history shows. Um, so I'm in the camp that we need to see. Uh, I, I'm always thinking about the sequence of of, of events. And to me, uh, a volatility problem is, is likely uh, underway. And you have also junk bonds looking quite attractive when it comes to a short uh, positioning. So that's to me where uh, most of that is, is coming from. And remember, we've had a, a major yield curve inversion problem back in November. Uh, that tends to be the case where positioning should be in, in the goal to a 
S&P 500 ratio. When look at historically for the next two years after you get the signal, uh, that is extremely bullish for precious metals relative to overall market. Um, again, sometimes you see precious metals falling, but they don't fall as 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 fast as the equity markets uh, the, uh, do. And so um, I think we're kind of in that scenario. And if you look at historically, you also see that there are months where that ratio doesn't work. We had a two month period now where that ratio actually declined. Equity markets went higher, gold prices went lower. Is that the end of that trend? No, I don't think so. I think this is just a normal pullback in an upper uh, trajectory of this of this ratio. And so I remain you know, focus on the long-term trend. And so as we, I guess, round that corner, and then let's focus on that long-term trend. Uh, we're in the summer of now of 2023, halfway through the years, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, as we go into the back half of the year, I, it, it's easy to lose track of the fact gold is up $100 year to date and tracking along, you know, its average annual gain since the, you know, the century flipped 23 years ago. What do you think, will drive gold prices uh, if we can get them to turn here in the back half of the year? Is it that increase of volatility that kind of shakes the foundations of what the Fed is trying to, to accomplish? Or where do you think prices are headed? To me, ultimately, what's going on is, is the treasury problem is a big issue. I mean, we've just had, since the debt ceiling problem, the government had to issue about $638 billion of U.S. debt mm. since the agreement was reached. I mean, think about that. Uh, the whole expectation was that the debt limit was going to raise by was going to be raised by or the debt was going to be raised by about 1.2 trillion. We already saw half of that in what a couple of weeks. Yeah. And so you know, in my estimates, just looking at the log version of the debt problem, you can see that we're probably going to see a 2.2 trillion dollars of issuances in the following one to two years. If that's the case, with the Fed actually uh, doing what they have been doing, which is shrinking their balance sheet, allowing their 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 uh, treasury holdings to mature and mortgage-backed securities, this is going to create a pressure at some point that the Fed is going to have to step in and be the buyer of last resort. Mm -hmm. um, I, I firmly believe that that's going to be the main reason when gold starts really sniffing that around. And I think it has been recently. And we've seen the triple top. A historical resistance more recently. I think the whole world is looking at this whole situation. The 60-40 portfolios have really struggled over the last year. This year has been the complete opposite, uh, pretty much, mostly on the equity side. The treasury side has not really worked very well. At some point, I think people will start questioning, why do we own debt from another indebted economy with the downside volatility being so high relative to gold? And the more we question those those issues, I think um, the, the the capital influx is going to have to go towards the metal that has the hot, longest history of credibility of being a defensive asset of enhancing the quality of international reserves of central banks, and that's all going to be the the long term trends playing a role into uh, forcing gold prices well above. Uh, this triple top kind of scenario. Once we break down from there, I think that's what brings the the in, the the you know the the liquidity that we need from a, a starving industry, which is the mining industry. I mean, this is um, you know one of the longest uh, business models we've seen in history. Now, completely out of favor, unloved, uh, almost like working where in in a scenario where valuations appear to be with gold prices 
in, you know, at a what, at a, a $1,600, $1,200 an ounce looking at valuations today while, while gold is close to, uh, to breaking to, uh, to new levels. So to me, this is, um, you know, uh, an opportunity for a long-term investor. I will continue to be focused on this breakout. I will continue to be focused on 60-40 portfolios switching their uh, their their portfolio positioning towards the metal. Um, central banks being largest buyers of those of of the asset as well. I mean, I think everything is kind of coming along, uh, but the the skepticism remains the case here. So, I guess it's an opportunity. I, I will continue to be focused on this. Yep, me too. Uh, in our remaining time, let's talk a little bit about the mining shares because that's much of what you do as portfolio manager uh, at Crescent is you've got mining shares, junior mining shares, uh, resource <laughs> explorer stocks, um, I, as do I. And I and actually, as everybody should know, I, I have a portfolio at Crescent um, relying on your expertise and, and Dr. Henny's expertise and, and the whole team. The, the challenges I can look at that, and I'm sure a lot of people listening to us can look at that and go, "Oh, look at this it's great! I mean, look at the resource they have there. Uh, it's beautiful, you know, and the grade and the district and all that kind of stuff." But as the sector is out of favor, it seems like none of that matters. And these companies burn through money, and then they've got to come back to market and try to get some more. What would you? I guess ultimately, my question is. Um, from your expertise and, and how you guys run things at Crescent, what what words of wisdom would you pass along to uh, mining share investors as we kind of wait this out um, and wait for you know the breakout and the rally and the infusion of of capital interest that will come with it? That's a good question, Craig. I think um, look, I, if you think about the ways of investing, I, I'm a firm believer that the best way to really uh, make money in the space and, and identifying big macro trends like gold prices, uh, which I think will be higher, not lower 10 years from now, is looking for what is the most asymmetric bet you can make in the space. And to me, it continues to be in the exploration phase. I think some folks tend to be looking at the technical analysis uh, a little too much in terms of uh, hoping for uh, a breakout in prices uh, and that level of confirmation uh, before you start getting invested and, and really accumulating assets in this industry. To me, it's the other way around. I think you want to be buying low. And, and this is as, as low as it gets. I mean, the, the thesis remains very robust. We're seeing production uh, for most of the major companies falling, which is the case that happens in during the last two gold cycles in the 70s and in the early 2000s. All the majors have been ultra conservative, um, which is also creating, you know, if you think about the commodity cycle itself is predicated on the capex cycle, and we have that confirmation already. Um, if you look at the even the central bank purchases, it's something we didn't see in the 2000s when we had that major bull market for the metal. Um, and today, that is the case. It's similar to the 70s in that sense. Uh, inflation wasn't the case in the early 2000s. It was the case in the in the 70s. And so, you know, you think about the robustness of the thesis itself it continues to be very strong. And when you look at the, the 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 metals and mining industry, especially the exploration and development phase, uh, again, uh, most of those businesses are trading uh, for uh, at multiples or valuations uh, that are already set for failure. And 
In my opinion, that is certainly not the case. It's interesting that you're not seeing the differentiation of quality businesses and bad quality businesses in inside of this very inefficient part of the market. And so uh, for a activist and also a long-term uh, you know, mindset of an investor, this is a dream uh, to be <laughs> allocating capital in this uh, at this time, you know, before in the liquidity influx. So to me, this is really the case. I don't think this industry is going away. I think the need for gold is increasing. If you look at the debt problem, um, I don't think, you know, a, a bet against gold is a bet against the debt imbalance getting uh, getting worse. Uh, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think the deficits will continue to make the debt problem continue to get worse. And so putting it all together, um, in my opinion, it's the time to be deploying capital into a industry that's been starved and for money uh, and also uh, looking for ways of creating strategic partnerships of creating the new major companies or 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 accumulating assets that are ultra cheap and and ultra uh deep or I should say deep value opportunities uh looking for jurisdictions that may play a role in the following 5 to 10 years i think there's so much to be busy here in this industry and people that are just waiting for the breakout that's not my strategy. It's certainly not what I'm trying to accomplish. I don't think even though we're in, in the Sprott money show here, if you think about it, I don't think Sprott's strategy was that either. You know, I don't think Sprott got where he got by waiting for a breakout. You know, I think most of the billionaires in this industry accumulate assets when prices are low. And this is where we are. Eric's old line he taught me was you got to be comfortable being in the party, at the party, but in a room by yourself while everybody's off partying. And you got to have the confidence uh, that you're analyzing things correctly and be willing uh, to make a stand. And that's kind of what we all have to do at this point. Uh, you guys do a great job with that, Tavi. Please, as we wrap up, tell everybody a little bit about Prescott and then where they can find you on Twitter because you're a really good Twitter follow. Well, thank you very much, Craig, for having me. Well, Crescat is, you know, we created a portfolio of precious metals companies uh, back in 2020. Uh, it's been performing very well. Uh, our thesis is is to uh, work with Quinton Henney, which I think it's the, the smartest exploration geologist I know. Um, I want to create a portfolio of ideas and strategic as well, um, uh, you know, jurisdictions that we think are going to be uh, in high demand for this new gold cycle that we're likely to enter. And uh, to me, it's, it's important to be diversified, but really, you know, almost like a hybrid uh, uh, venture capital approach. But rather than in, in an expensive technology space, I want to do this in the mining industry by owning what I think are going to be the best discoveries of the next five to 10 years, owning a substantial amount of those businesses and helping them to uh, accomplish those goals, along with this activist approach with Quinton Haney. I think we've proven even in this kind of neutral market uh, what we can do in terms of performance. Uh, but, you know, I think imagine what we, we could do in a, in a bull market. So that's my opinion, obviously, uh, where I think the opportunity lies ahead. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're trying to create a vehicle that will uh, hopefully uh, really capitalize in what we think is going to be uh, one of the most important historic moments for the metal. And not only gold, but really electrification metals are also going to be part of this uh, this overall thesis. So um, yeah, thanks for having me again. It was, it's always nice to talk to you, Craig.
And Tavi, that uh, Twitter handle so people can follow you there. Oh, I forgot about that. All right. Uh, at Tavi Costa. Uh, well, that's is easy my Twitter enough. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, follow me there if you like macro uh, related uh, topics. I always share my views there. So you're right. welcome to uh, to follow that. Thank you. T-A-V-I-C-O-S-T-A. That's pretty easy. Even I can spell that. Uh, <laughs> Tavi, great stuff. Again, Tavi Costa of Crescott Capital in Denver. Great to visit with you. Thank you for your, for, for your time. Thanks for having me, Craig. And of all of us here at Sprout Money, thanks for watching. We'll have another Ask the Expert segment for you in July. <laughs>